Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode of Reach is brought to you by our sponsor, Jackie, another secret weapon that executive assistants and women who do it all need to know about. You guys all know that feeling, right? Staring at your closet and thinking to yourself, I have so many clothes and yet nothing to wear. That is why Jackie is here. Jackie is a high-end boutique subscription styling service that you apply to join. What I love about Jackie is you get to develop a relationship with your stylist. Your stylist is someone you can text or call or email with specific wardrobe needs or ideas you have. Or maybe there's an upcoming event or trip or meeting or even a wedding that your ex is going to be at that you really, really, really want to look fantastic for. Those are exactly the types of scenarios a Jackie subscription can help with. Each box from Jackie is filled with high quality clothing and accessories. Jackie is here to help all of us embrace our style and our confidence. This is subscription styling done right for the women who do it all. So apply to join Jackie and fall in love with your style this year. Visit shopjackie.com to apply to join and be sure to tell your stylist Maven sent you with code MAVEN20 for 20% off all the items kept in your first box. Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reach. I am your host, Jessica Van, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. And I'm really excited to introduce a new series within a series um, with our guest, Lauren Richards. And Lauren is going to be joining us to kick off this this series, um, which we're hoping to be really a, a, a valuable tool for both executives who are looking to hire and most effectively partner with an executive assistant, as well as executive assistants who are really um, looking for some direction and further insight on how best they can complement an executive and how they can really work together to make this um, partnership most um, satisfying for everyone. So we're going to be starting off this series uh, today because, you know, so often we get these questions uh, from executives saying, you know, I really want to have a game-changing life-altering type of relationship um, with my executive assistant, but sometimes they just don't really know how to achieve that. Or they'll look at somebody else and say, I really want what so-and-so has, um, or how do I get the most return from this? And uh, I think that there just seems to be a lack of understanding or maybe even just a lack of sharing of tools and best practices that other people in this space have figured out. So um, at the same time, we also want to really empower executive assistants by exposing them to what other EAs in their career are already doing to shape these really productive partnerships. So we're going to be doing this series in the hopes that these conversations will help to spark a dialogue on both sides and really help to continue to evolve and elevate the meaningfulness of this role for everyone. So, Lauren, so excited that you can join us to kickstart this conversation um, to share a little bit about Lauren's background. 
Um, she's joining us all the way from Colorado. Thank you so much. I heard you had a turbulent flight. I did. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> and um, Lauren is a currently is a remote executive assistant working for a company called Webflow, where she supports the CEO Vlad Magdalene and the CPO and co-founder Sergey Magdalene. So to get us started, what advice? or questions would you suggest an executive should ask of him or herself before even deciding about hiring an executive assistant? I think there has to be a little introspecting on the executive front. And and why I say that is to make something like this partnership really work, It's it starts with the executive and the understanding of what value this individual can bring to the role. So the first question they should ask is, what problems, you know, are, is this individual going to help me solve? And, and whatever that might be, time management, do I need this individual to be a gatekeeper? Um, I'm just inundated with emails all the time and requests, and I need someone to flush that out for me. Are they going to be someone who's a utility player? Are they going to wear many hats and not just my executive assistant? Are they going to handle internal events? Are they going to handle, you know, the front desk of some sorts as we're ramping and growing the business? Are they going to be someone who helps with relationship management for me? Are they going to act as a bridge between the executive team and myself? So I think really pausing and understanding what are the needs I need I need from this person in the areas that I'm struggling with will make it easier for you as the executive to communicate and set those expectations from the beginning. I really like that. Um, I think that it it also really um, aligns with, for instance, when we're working with a client on a search and one of the very first questions we'll ask them is exactly what you just said. Hey, what do you need this person to solve for you? Or what are the challenges that are most paramount for you right now? And how can this person resolve those? Because it really does guide the hiring, right? Mm -hmm. It guides who you look for and what types of questions you're going to ask of your prospective new assistant. So I think that's like such an important thing to consider. And also, I think, especially when working with your search firm, you do such a great job of vetting that there's an understanding that whichever candidates you put before mm-hmm. an executive have what are likely the baseline criteria. Mm-hmm. And so it's really understanding it's not just someone to live in my calendar and schedule things for me or to send out gifts or to this. It's how is this individual going to help level me up right. as an executive? Exactly. exactly. And I think, you know, just as an executive would with their own, you know, executive um, team or their e-suite team, right? Mm-hmm. They're asking those questions as well. They're saying, hey, why do I need to hire this chief product officer? And why, you know, what are the the key backgrounds or experiences that this person needs to bring to the forefront to fill the void or to provide the additional ammunition that we need to grow as a company? It's the same level of reflectiveness and thoughtfulness that should go into how you think about this hire, right? I mean, exactly. This person's an extension of you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree. So for executives who are newer to the EA partnership, um, apart from you know asking themselves the question of what problems are they looking to solve, right, which obviously, as we established, is a really key one, but what about in terms of um, themselves and 
thinking about the fit, thinking about the intangibles, what questions should they, they be asking themselves there to really assess who's going to most compliment them from a fit perspective? I mean, I think it goes without saying in this role that so much boils down to chemistry. I know that there needs to be a clear understanding that there's competencies that this individual needs to be proficient in. And and those are where the strength lies. But at the end of the day, like I, the advice I would give the executive is trust your gut. Do you see yourself working with this person day in, day out? Do you, is there some sort of commonality from a personality standpoint that brings you in and draws you closer to wanting to work and partner with this person successfully? That, that would be my one advice for the executive assistants coming into the role as well and, and who are new. It's understanding what about you is different. I had someone ask me that question and it sort of caught me off guard. And, and this executive that I was interviewing with said, what makes you different from other EAs? And, and I was just at first I was like, oh, um, uh, uh, and then I said, my humor. Mm-hmm. I think at some point the daunting job for an executive day in, day out, the meeting fatigue, the making the heavy decisions, um, sometimes if they can have that partner who brings a little bit of light heartedness mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to the job mm-hmm. and, and reminds them to be human and to not sweat the small stuff kind of a thing. And I think you get that from conversation and, and again, moving beyond the basics of what do you bring to the role. Yeah. And I think that um, there's so many potential answers to that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so really exciting about how nuanced these partnerships and these pairings can be because someone might answer that question and say, you know, I just need somebody who can really just dial into the to the to the agenda, who can keep me on task, who can prioritize and reprioritize and who can really like, you know, stay on top of things, right? And just mm-hmm. like judicious about the details and the information, just get to it, right? And somebody else might say exactly what you just said, which is like, oh gosh, like I have decision fatigue at the end of the day, and I would love an EA who thinks of herself as humorous, right, and who can bring that levity and energy to the room. So there's really no right or wrong, but I, I agree with you that to do this right and, and part of the fit and the, the partnership is the ongoing work that you do, but also part of it is the introspective pre-planning work that you do to really understand yourself. It should be a somewhat... Um, humbling process, I think, of, of self, self-assessment and being really candid and, and level setting with yourself. And, like, and it might not even be things that you're bad at, just things that you don't particularly want to do or no longer have the bandwidth to do, right? Maybe right. you're even great at these things, but you don't have the bandwidth because your company has changed and you know it's just no longer possible to do these things. And depending on the scope, up until recently, I was supporting four executives and with that, you realize the best you can really do is 25% for everybody. But when you're at the stage in which we were at as a company and we're growing rapidly and we're on this you know, upward tick, all of a sudden you realize the best that I can do is get everybody above water when everybody needs someone who can get them a yeah. level you know, deeper. Mm-hmm. And it just at that point, 
it can also be very, um, as an executive assistant, it it can just be discouraging because you feel like, how do you measure success? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm only able to get everybody to baseline, I'm not really going over and beyond. And that's what I think makes us unique. And to your point about confidence, I think because there is this chemistry component to mm-hmm. it, that when you go in and you interview for a role, there's a level of confidence that you have that you know you can do, especially speaking to your experience and your resume and where you've been regardless of the industry. But there is a baseline and you feel good about what you can do and what you bring. But at the same time, if there's something that's off in that interview where you feel like, hmm, maybe the communication style didn't resonate and was was difficult for you even in the in the interview process and the conversations you had sort of lagged and there were awkward silences. You start to internalize that and think, how are we going to work together? What will this be like? And in any relationship, not just this this partnership and this working relationship, there is that period where it, it requires a lot of nurturing and it requires this ability to say, no, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to give it my best. But at the end of the day, no matter what your experience or your level of expertise, there is a possibility it doesn't work out. And I feel like that's something that's really unique to, to these roles in this partnership is it's not just like the, ex- the experience will take you so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree with that. It. It's like 90% chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> She rolled her eyes, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I know you can see that, but that was like a yes. That was a yes, I agree, eye roll. So, okay, speaking of intangibles and qualities, what do you think are the qualities an executive needs to possess in order to make a partnership work? And the follow-up question to that is, if an executive is not just like intuitively, innately like that, what encouragement do you have for maybe how they can develop a stronger aptitude in that in that area? Um, I think I'm I'm going to speak from my current position and mm-hmm. role in the individuals that I support, but I have been shown what extraordinary kindness really does for the workplace. Um, my current CEO, Vlad Magdalene, it's one of our core behaviors, and he breathes it every day. And I think it's something that is rare. And if you as an executive can really develop that skill and the ability to lead with kindness, Mm -hmm. I think respect, excitement, and um, that the mentality of like, I will go to battle with you really Mm -hmm. follows. Mm -hmm. Um, So I say, you know, extraordinary kindness, patience. Just like any relationship, this partnership, it's going to take time to find that rhythm. It's very much like, you know, dancing. Mm -hmm. At first, you might step on each other's toes, but eventually you find your rhythm and your cadence and it becomes just this beautifully choreographed, you know, flow of of a show in Mm -hmm. a sense. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think with that patience, it comes that direct communication as well helping this individual to really understand what your needs and expectations are and communicating and over-communicating and making sure that this individual truly understands because there's also a love language here with, you know, your working partner and understanding what makes sense and 
is what I'm saying, does that land correctly? That way there's no misalignment with those expectations. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, compassion. I think more so now, the older I've gotten, the, the longer I've been in this field, my priorities have shifted. I'm a mom. I have mm-hmm. three young kids. And so sometimes we're just going to have a bad day. So are you as an executive. And so part of that partnership is really looking out for each other as individuals and humans, not just the CEO, not just the executive assistant. We're people too. So that sort of compassion and extraordinary kindness go together. So mistakes are going to happen. As long as everyone's taking accountability and ownership of those, it's moving forward and trusting that they're going to they're not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned kindness, you mentioned patience, and you mentioned compassion. Um, how do those show up in the workplace for you, or what are examples? I think recently we had one of my very best friends went through a horrible loss, and I just couldn't mentally wrap my head around what had just happened. And even though it wasn't me, it wasn't my spouse or my children, and it it felt more indirect, I remember saying something to my manager and and just in a moment of vulnerability, just, I'm just not here today. Mm-hmm. Like my, my head nor my heart is here. Like I'm devastated. Here's what's happened without skipping a beat. It she said, and then eventually Vlad said as well, please, out of office, take the day, shut everything off, let us know what you need. And it, it just, that that just was a, a moment for me where I knew we had so much going on. I was the only executive assistant at the time, and I was supporting four executives. And it just, what it wasn't scheduled PTO or, mm-hmm. a, you know, a day off. I There was no heads up. And it was just this moment of, do what you need to do. Go mm-hmm. take care of your friend. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot like that when I have a husband who's in sales and travels a ton. And my working hours have to shift because I need to do pickups and drop-offs. Or, you know, after leaving the Bay and moving to Colorado, we're dealing right. with snow days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Things that, you know, up until a year and a half yeah. ago. I, weren't a factor. You know, totally. Weren't a factor. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, and my, you know, our babysitter can't make it now because she's snowed in. And so... All my Zoom meetings, I'm not going to be on video. Is that a problem? And no, great. Do what you need to do. Let us know if we need to adjust. Right. And I just and I think that sort of understanding mm-hmm. and that trust mm-hmm. and that autonomy mm-hmm. to, to do my job the way that I need to do it within the parameters that work for me, the output and the motivation and the desire as an employee to not only just give 100%, but that 110, 180% for my employer sure. isn't even a second thought. Yep. The second part of the question was, you know, it's one thing when somebody has these things, like, for instance, um, Vlad, like you said, it's just, it's innately his character, right? He sounds like he is a great person. <laughs> um, he really does. And and I guess I'm curious, like, you know, it, it's hard to imagine how can you encourage somebody to be kind who's maybe not intuitively the most kind but that might be a harder one to to encourage you know development around but I'd be curious your thoughts like or or maybe somebody who's fundamentally not the most patient 
But I believe that that's something that can be worked on. So what encouragement do you have for executives who really do want to make this a lasting, successful, fruitful partnership, but maybe just don't have the strongest instincts naturally in those areas? Allow your executive assistant to manage up. And I say that my previous employer, I remember being really nervous and fearful of this exact thing. He was young. Um, at the time, wasn't married. I already had two kids. I was married. He was an engineer by nature. Mm-hmm. He would come into the office at 10 o'clock and stay till 7 because he would be up all night coding. And here I was in the office at 8, needing to leave by 5, mm-hmm. thinking, how is this possibly going right. to work? How we are, are we going to see eye to eye? We are not in the same yep. place. Yep. In our lives. And how do I get him to see that I can still do the job, but it needs to be within my, like, my box, like my parameters, my boundaries. Your terms. My terms. Mm -hmm. And I remember in our very first one-on-one, I I just had to come out and say, because I knew I was never going to be successful if I didn't ask for what I needed. And if if you don't let that be known ahead of time, it gets harder as you build the relationship and you go further down to all of a sudden say, we need to reset. This isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. When the expectations from the beginning have been, but it is working. And I remember sitting there in our one-on-one saying, I just want to be clear. I generally get in around 8, 8.30 after we drop our kids off, but I have to leave by 5. It takes me 45 minutes. I have to be there at the very latest by 6 to pick up my kids. So you and I are really only getting X amount of hours a day face-to-face. Is that a problem for you? And, you know, there there was those moments where we would compromise. And I would say if there are specific days that it makes sense for me to stay later, I'll work that out with my husband. But it I just needed to, you know, when we talk about authenticity and speaking your truth, like that is where my life was. And if you could just give me a little of what I need up front and I can prove to you that I can do this job within these terms, Mm -hmm. that will also build on that trust, which is so important. And you will start to realize that, hey, this is when she's going to be here. If I need her, this is when I can ask for her. If not, I come home and I would say, I also get six to eight to myself. That's when we do dinner, we do bath time, mm-hmm. and then I'll be back online. If it's anything urgent, feel free and text me, but mm-hmm. otherwise know that you know these are my working hours. I think setting boundaries will make you successful. And if you're truthful about those boundaries that you need and why you need those boundaries to be successful, that's how you build trust. And then even if you don't see eye to eye originally, it becomes a non-issue. And you can bring that back to those original questions where we think, like, what is it that you need from somebody mm-hmm. when you start the process? Mm-hmm. If you can, I think um, as women, it's easy for us to want to hide our, our personal lives and what's happening because we want to be taken seriously. We want to be considered in the workplace as true contenders. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we have it in our minds that the idea of being a mother and having, um, y- you know, these little humans that that might take mm-hmm. our attention away mm-hmm. could potentially put our job at risk. And that's not 
that has not been the case for me. Yeah. And I feel very, very fortunate, but it comes with this, this idea that I'm not going to hide this. Like this is, I've got two kids or now I've got three, like these are priorities <laughs> right. and I can do this. Trust me. And that's where the output starts to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And even if these things aren't innate qualities for the executive, they can't deny the output and the results that they're seeing from from mm-hmm. their partner. Mm-hmm. In which case, this idea of flexibility mm-hmm. and autonomy mm-hmm. starts to sound less scary. Right. Right. But I, I think that this is a very <clears throat> instructive dialogue and conversation as well, going back to question number one, um, which was what questions does an executive need to be asking himself or herself before they even embark on Mm -hmm. looking for this person? Because are you looking for radical authenticity and sincerity? Are you looking for somebody who can demonstrate that they can manage the juggling act that is a really successful career such as yours, Lauren, with a marriage and parenting of three small children, because that's no small feat, right? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for someone that can that can pull that off? Or do you need somebody that at the drop of a hat can be on that flight with you to London with, a, with 24 hours heads up? And if that's how you live your life or that's what you need in this role, then okay. But let's just be really open and clear about what those needs are and really articulate them thoughtfully and clearly at the at the beginning so you can find the best person. What practices have you adopted with your executives over the years that have been the most beneficial or been the most impactful in terms of how you guys work together successfully? For me, it's been about focusing on the individual. And when I say from a practice standpoint, there's a lot of white noise in a company. There's a lot of talk about how um, this executive might operate, um, their, what is their perception both internally and externally and their reputation. So for me, something that I, that I sh- would strongly suggest to any EA is drown out the white noise. It's so important to formulate your own opinion about the person you are working with and not feeling, um, I I don't know, like I want to say not feeling odd that you can work with someone who is perceived to be difficult or impatient when those maybe those qualities don't necessarily reflect you as a person and what individuals would say about you. Because I think that that says a lot about the job that you can do. And so if you can drown out the white noise and focus on the individual, I think the, the levels in, in which the partnership can go are, are limitless. Another great practice for me would also be radical candor. Mm-hmm. A lot of feedback, especially in the beginning, mm-hmm. ask questions. Mm-hmm. They say that there's no such thing as a, a dumb question, and mm-hmm. it's true. <laughs> I feel like I've asked them, mm-hmm. um, and I'm still here. But just it's so much easier from a productivity standpoint because someone in this role is really looking for this this individual to help elevate them as an executive, to eliminate unnecessary meetings, to, to provide more time mm-hmm. because the idea and time is a true commodity in executives' mm-hmm. lives. 
So if, again, if you're elevating, you're helping them eliminate. And if you're asking the right questions, you'll learn a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Are there actual systems that you've implemented or best practices, apart from what you shared, like, um, you know, as far as like meeting cadence or, you know, sync ups, daily sync ups for 10 minutes or, you know, at the beginning or end of the day? Are there things of that nature that you've found historically in your career to be super valuable? I think how you help the executive prioritize his week is invaluable or her week is invaluable. And something that through books that I've read, through feedback from executives that I've learned is, you know, the hardest day of the week is Monday. (laughs) Give them their time in the morning. Let them catch up. Let the brain kick back into work week. And from there, have their one-on-ones with their direct reports. Give them a day of learning. Did anything change from the weekend? Then you step into Tuesday and you schedule your e-staff at that point. And it's coming together with the entire executive team with this idea of like, here's what I've learned. Here's what's changed. You know, who needs my time? What are the priorities for the week? And then from there, typically, I would schedule my one-on-one with with my executive at the end of that day. Because if I'm not actually present in that meeting, they've had a day and a half of learnings from their direct reports and getting together with the executive team. And that's going to change the course of how they prioritize their week, most likely. Mm -hmm. I like to also make sure that I'm carving out time, chunks of time. I feel thankful that I've been able to implement, like, Wednesdays are focus days for my executives. They actually need time to process and think about everything that they've learned and they're being asked and then strategize on how to go execute best. Maybe it's getting their inbox to zero. Maybe they need to get out the company newsletter. Maybe they want time to write creatively on a blog. And so it helps company and brand awareness. There's a number of things when they're going from meeting to meeting that don't allow for those creative juices to flow and work to actually get done. So that's kind of how we start the week. And then there's usually other internal meetings that happen on Thursday. And I try and keep Fridays light yep. because everybody appreciates that. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Amen to that. That's so very true. And I, I mean, I, I go back to, again, question number one, you know, what should an executive be asking himself or herself I mean, be honest, right? How helpful or beneficial would it be going into a process of meeting someone to be able to say, I know that as an executive, I need concerted thinking time. I need, you know, three hours allocated weekly that is precious, that is that is protected by my assistant so I can apply myself in these and these and these ways. I know that I'm a high think person. And if I don't give myself that time, I'm not going to drive the business forward as effectively as I could. Right. So just being able to have that type of level of specific clarity or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, color on what you need is super helpful. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I mean, absolutely. But that's also where I would think, you know, going back to the, the idea of what if this executive doesn't have these qualities, that's where I was able to come in and rely on my experience and say, okay, let me piece together what's worked in the past with various 
executives and see how this lands. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times as well, in my experience, where I'm at in the stage of companies, when, when I join, I'm usually the first executive assistant, if not the second, which is great. And with the way tech's going right now, there are a lot of young, bright executives coming into play who have never worked with an EA. And even those who are more seasoned, who have been at the VP level, may say, I've never had an executive assistant. So again, being able to say, okay, here's what I've done in the past. Is any of this resonating with you? Do you want to give it a try? Let's give it X amount of months. Let's give it three months. Let's give it six months. And then we can iterate if it's not working and we can change things up. But let me give you a starting point. Yep. And that's where I think the confidence in this idea of experience comes into play for executive assistants. I love that. That's really helpful. Um, that's super empowering, right? Because it's not, it's not on any one person's shoulders to know how are we going, what is, the, what is the map here and how are we going to navigate it? It is a two-way street. And that's, again, I think the value that someone like yourself brings is that experience, is that ability to really diagnose, right? I mean, that's what you're doing. You're like, look, this is not my first rodeo. I've seen this. I've partnered with people like yourself before. There's probably similar challenges that you're experiencing given the similar stage of company, right? So again, like being able to rely on the people that you bring in, trusting in their wisdom, trusting in the value of their experience, just as you would any other member of your e-staff. A big part of success in these partnerships really hinges on having mutual confidence in one another, which is a tricky thing too, right? Especially at the beginning of a relationship because confidence usually isn't an instantaneous thing. It's usually the kind of resource that gets cultivated and built and shored up over time. So what are your recommendations for how to establish that trust and confidence, particularly when it is at the more early stage of a relationship? It's little things like understanding um, again, going back to that idea of like ask the questions, seeing something on their calendar that's a personal block, whether it's I need to go, whether it's a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment or a haircut or maybe they need to take their pet to the vet or they've got soccer practice. Those are things that are important to this person. Prioritize those things because I'm also asking you as the executive to prioritize what's important to me. Mm -hmm. So it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. So when you think about building trust, it goes back to that age-old golden rule of treat others how you would want to be treated. It's mutually beneficial if you can be 10 steps ahead of them. Mm -hmm. I know your anniversary is coming up. Right. Would you like to leave the office early that day? Can I move this meeting for you to make sure that you're, you, know, you have time to plan? Have you gotten something for your spouse? Is that important to you? <laughs> Do I need to block off your lunch? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's it's just learning about the person and what makes them tick. And then all of a sudden they're feeling cared for mm -hmm. and they're seen seen, not just for the job and the title. But for the humanity. But for the humanity. Yeah. And what about the flip side? What about you having trust in them? I understand those are things that are important for them to feel trust and feel that you're trustworthy. What do they need to exhibit in terms of how they behave to make you feel like your trust in them is well-placed? This idea of growth 
as an executive assistant. There's many areas and paths that an executive assistant can take. But I also think a lot what growth looks like is circumstantial. And for me, it's no longer being at a cool, fun, hip startup where, you know, there's beer clock on Friday and a ping pong table. Those things were great for me when I was 25 starting out in this career. And I thought, this is where I can socialize, network. This is how I build relationships. Um, what kind of fun activities do we do? Now, I'm a little bit more interested in benefits. <laughs> What's 401k package look like? Um, right. Is there flexibility within my schedule? Yeah. And so how you build trust, like I would think from, again, speaking from my experience, how you build trust with me as an executive assistant is understanding and showing interest in what matters to me both personally and professionally. And again, it goes back to that idea of humanizing this partnership. In your experience, what are the top three pieces of advice that you'd give to an executive who really wants to derive the most value from this relationship? Um, Don't be afraid to get personal. Take the time to get to know each other. Um, It's not just the one-on-ones and taking down a list of action items and helping the executive execute so much as an executive assistant, your success is directly tied to the success of the executive. So get to know them as a person. And again, that also builds trust. And then as the executive, prioritize the partnership. Mm -hmm. It's so easy for executive assistants to deprioritize ourselves depending on the stage of the company and what's going on in the business. So all of a sudden, hiring is a top priority. You'll constantly shift and move your time with your executive to accommodate interviews. When there's an internal fire, you'll move things. But at some point, you are going to fall out of sync. And and that then leads to some sort of disconnect. Mm-hmm. And feeling, in my experience, when I don't feel connected or in sync with my executive, I start to to sure. go down the rabbit hole of like, absolutely, like is is everything okay? Are they unhappy with me? Like, is is he or she avoiding me? Or I mean, is well, is it, it okay that to them that we're not spending this time? Absolutely. And so you start to question yourself a, a bit yeah. in the role. And it impacts so, job satisfaction. It impacts exactly. your sense of value. Right. It's a lot. So don't allow the relationship to be deprioritized. Make it a point if it gets moved as the executive. And I feel that this is the first time that this is something that my CEO is saying to me constantly. And he'll be like, no, I want to chat. Find a different time. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, reinforces where I stand in this partnership and that it is valuable. And no matter what's going to happen, like this is equally as important as that meeting. Yeah, that's really I, I really like that, too, because it's really clear and it's really actionable. Like these are things that whether you're a patient person or not a patient person, whether you're a compassionate person or not a compassionate person, um, these are things that you have the power to control, right? If your meeting with your assistant gets bumped from the calendar, you know, let him or her know that it's still important, right? And take the time to say thank you. As an executive assistant, it feels a lot of the times like a thankless job. 
because we're working so hard behind the scenes to make things happen and to have it appear as if it's done seamlessly. You know, no one's supposed to see you sweat. Mm -hmm. But just as much as you might be giving feedback on, oh, you know, can we do this or this can be better or this or can we change this? Don't forget to say thank you. It goes a long way in an executive assistant's life. So as we wrap up, we have one final question for you, Lauren, which is, if you could support anyone in the world throughout the course of history and time, who would it be and why? Jimmy Fallon. Ooh. Without, without a doubt. That was deadpan. Yeah. I think while the idea of anything Hollywood terrifies me, I think about him as a person and how funny he is. And he does a ton of philanthropic work as well that just the breadth of experience and the idea, again, of just constant laughter and humor would be so, that so sounds fun. really tempting. And at yeah. some point, I would hope we would also, as in, in my head, I envision that part of the interview process would be some sort of lip sync. I think that a, a really nice um, takeaway from this conversation has been if I had to sum it up, you know, as as individuals, whether you're an executive assistant, whether you're an executive, seek out the humanity in your counterpart. Try to tap into what their drivers are, what's meaningful to them as a person, what's going to make them feel valued, what's going to allow them to feel like they're developing and growing and feeling supported on both sides of the equation, right? And that that's going to really allow for the most overlap and um, productivity between the two of you. So... Thank you summed it up yeah, beautifully. Yeah. Thank you for all of this amazing knowledge and insight that you've given us today. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for having me. It was Thank a real you. pleasure. Thank you. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. You can learn more about Maven at www.mavenrec.com. Dot com.